Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner, and that guy over there is Hal Edward Runkle. You. Hal, how are you today? I, I'm doing well. How are you? I, you know what? I'm not doing well. Really? Yeah, I'm not. I have, a, I have a headache. I've had a headache for the last few days. I need to go see the chiropractor and get my bones cracked. I don't think that's actually what happens at the chiropractor. Is that not, if, is that not what he if does that's, to you? If that's what's that's, happening at your chiropractor. He's cracking my bones in yeah. there. That's what he's doing. And it, uh... <laughs> I think you need to see a different chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, like you... the scene, one of my fa- maybe my favorite scene in All of Friends was the, was the measuring pants guy. Where, remember that? <laughs> Where I, Joe, <laughs> Joey went he's to feeling get the, yeah. a little bit high up his leg. Yes, yeah. and, and that's how they measure pants. Uh, and, no, yeah. it's and not. Ross, and Ross is like, yes, in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Going up the I, inseam there. I have been, uh, I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately mm. because coffee constricts the blood vessels, and, and sometimes it can help you headaches. get rid of the headache. Right. And uh, and so I, I, uh, I got a new cup of coffee here just before we started, and I thought. Um, Something is wrong with this coffee. Really? Yes. Um, at first, I thought it was the mug that I have it in. Uh, you're using my mug. Well, it is the University of Texas Longhorns mug. I think it's ironic that you are drinking out of a Pepperdine mug. Which is your school. Which is my school. That's so we're fantastic. Look at that. But uh, then I realized it's not really the mug. Mm. It's the, uh, I, I think I got the pumpkin oh. coffee. Thing that your mom, because your the mom, residue, yeah, it's We've, so it's kind of perfumey. Well, which one did you get in? Because there's two coffee makers now. Aren't there? One for her and her flavored stuff because it taints everything that comes out it of it. It does. It does. Oh, and and one for yeah, it smells like perfume, like pumpkin <laughs> perfume. Dude, we need to stop the broadcast. No, I'll uh, be okay. You'll be I'll, okay. No, no, no. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. This is serious. Now, um, Hal, it is interesting that uh, that that we have these mugs. Like the, that, we keep mugs from college, or that we, later in life, even uh, we, we will go and purchase. Well, it's something I do. Yeah, I and I purchase them for the office. We have several from all over the world because I travel around the world, and so I just figured that's my one thing is you'll bring back coffee mugs. I bring back coffee mugs, and so we've got them from the island New of York, Saipan. And Saipan and, and, yeah, but we also yes. um, have the uh, Texas and Pepperdine mugs. And do do you have pe- Texas gear? That you wear oh, t-shirts uh, uh, and ca- you have a cap, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. I've got a cap. I have a Pepperdine cap now too. Oh, do you? Is it the fitted cap or did you get the? No, I got yeah. the cheap one that was yeah. on the uh, sale rack. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, yeah, it's yeah, you know yeah. some Pepperdine cap is better than no Pepperdine cap, I guess. For for a Pepperdine grad like you, yeah. I was at Catalyst um, last week. This big uh, leadership conference that was here in yes, town. Yes, that's here hosted. Thirteen thousand uh, next generation leaders, and uh, and I actually saw a guy wearing a, a Pepperdine cap. And uh, I came up to him, and I was like, hey, nice cap. And he said, yeah, I need to get a new one. This thing is beat up. You know, I've had mm-hmm. it for years and years and years. And it turned out that he played baseball wow. um, in the in the mid-'90s. He was there after I after was. After you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So he had his cap, and we were telling stories. Oh, that's cool. That was kind of fun. You Did see you? the logo and the cap and all of that kind of stuff. And you brought out the ring that he doesn't have? <laughs> it's at my parents' house. The I, national yeah. championship yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah, Did you get one of these while you were there? No, no you didn't. No, that's didn't. right. You didn't. You're oh, a loser. <laughs> Now, college, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, that college brings out, like, weird vibes in people. You know, like, people get really protective and weird about their colleges. Oh, it's 
It's remarkable. You, you college football rivalries, oh, right? Yeah. Stir in sure. stuff, but it can well, be other sports. Well, this week is a big week for you, right? It's the uh, week of the Red River. What do they call it now? They, they the can't Red... call it the shootout because that's that's what it was called for a hundred years. I know, but, but that's yeah, it's politically little, incorrect. It's a little now. violent. The Red River rivalry. Rivalry. Say that. Yeah, Red River rivalry. Red yeah. River rivalry. But I have never not looked forward to a game more than this one because we're going to get killed. You're going to get crushed. Oh, it's going to be awful. awful. But people, it like that's it, that's one of those rivalry games that literally halfway. It's down, the only you one can draw a line in the stadium. It's the only one that does that. They go to a neutral stadium that is exactly it's 183 miles from the Oklahoma from campus campuses. and 182 miles yeah. or something from the US, UT campus. And uh, it's split at the 50-yard line between the... And you will see one half of the stadium will be dressed in red, red. or is it crimson or whatever they whatever call that it. Color yeah. is. And then the other half will be... In burnt orange. Burnt orange and white. Yes. And uh, and then in about the second quarter, all the red will still be there. And all the... <laughs> and half the burnt orange will have already left because we're terrible. Yeah. Yes. But... Uh, I have been to other rivalry games. I've been, to, but it's also different sports. It's not sure. just football, but it's yeah, also academic. Basketball, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's academics. Yes. And yeah, people get freaked out about when you talk about your college is better mm-hmm. than my college, or and the U.S. News and World Report rankings come out. Oh yeah, and there, where is mine versus yours? Which and did they, you know that Pepperdine and Stanford were kind of that uh, way? Yeah. Not only it was, I think it was cost of tuition. Oh, was the rivalry? Well, I can tell you now, <laughs> Pepperdine wins. <laughs> I was the reason why I have this mug and why we're talking about is because I was just there this past week. Well, you were just out at Pepperdine, just, uh, hey, but my, you also didn't you visit uh, USC while you were out there? Did visit uh, well? University of Southern California as well, taking your daughter. Yes, right? on yeah. college visits. I, and how's that going? It's a blast in that we get some time together. The deal is, I travel uh, a ton, and and that has caused hardships uh, on my family and our relationships and so one of the ways that I try to mitigate the effects of that is taking my family with me when I can right so we spoke about how Jenny and I together went to Italy when I had to And go you spent some time in DC this summer with, you, with yeah. Jenny and and I've taken the, the family with me to Saipan for crying out loud all the way wow, across yeah, the world taking with them to Hawaii and so uh I took I've just now I've in the last couple the last year or so I've been taking Hannah with me saying hey let's go visit a college. What, she's sixteen now. Yeah, she'll she's be a 17 junior. Yeah. yeah, she's a junior. She'll be uh, gosh seventeen two months. And so it's now it's you know actual visits where yeah. excused yeah. absences from school and because so. she's visiting a college campus and yes. taking the tour yes. and so learning we've done it. Life, I guess, all that kind of I guess stuff. we've done it about ten campuses. At what's this uh, what, what's what's on the list? Uh, she really likes. Um, University of South Carolina. She wants to get in their honors program. Columbia. She South really Carolina? liked Columbia. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's she, a nice she did. College town. It's a college and town. It's a beautiful campus. It is. A really I really is. liked it. Like it's one of those campuses. I think of it like uh, like Ole Miss. You know, yes. it, it's when idyllic. You, when you, you close know? your eyes and envision college campus, that's what it looks like: big the quad, oak trees, yes. and brick buildings, and, and green that. space with people playing frisbee at one end, and hacky lit- sack, and, and, and lounging and studying, playing, and playing guitar, guitar and, and yeah, yeah big libraries, it's like that a lot. columns, all that. And she liked Wake Forest, which is all that, but much much smaller. Yes, and uh, she didn't like Duke that much. She uh, felt it was Duke's a little stuffy. Camp- yeah, yeah. But it's beautiful, all that gothic yeah. architecture and stuff. It's very, very cool. We went to, she liked Notre Dame. We went there. Uh, we went to Michigan. We've been to Texas, which was where her mom graduated from. Mm-hmm. And so she's interested in that. And um, Georgia is, is probably, because, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's an it's hour. Cl- yeah, it's, and it's a fine, fine school. It's a great, it's a great school. school and, yeah. so, but Pepperdine's on her list. All right. 
we have a number of connections to Pepperdine, sure. both uh, historically and religiously. And, and board member, there's a board member who helped build the Scream Free Institute, who is a professor at law. I've spoken on that campus numerous, numerous times. And yeah, I, this is a funny story. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever told you this or not. In the glove box of my car, I have a notebook of yours. And I got the notebook okay, because. What? Yeah, here's how. Here, oh, listen. Okay. Uh, it's a small notebook. Uh, I went to speak at Pepperdine, uh-huh. and the lectern they gave me had a notebook in it. I looked at it, opened it up, and it's your notebook. What the? I, what, how weird is that? What the what? Yeah, seriously. You and I, apparently, we spoke at Pepperdine two different occasions, and we spoke, and we used the same lectern. Yes. And uh, you had left your notebook. And now that you have been back in Atlanta I know, for yeah. two I, years, I, 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 it's working in my glove box me, because I keep wanting to give it to you. We work together every week. I, I forget about it. Valuable material that could have been published, <laughs> changing the world. This is why Hal has not finished the, the teen book. Because yet. you, yeah, I've been wondering, <laughs> where's all my notes? <laughs> The whole time. <laughs> yeah, this is from several years ago. Okay, that's yeah. just scary because in my notebooks, I, I put lots of things. Yeah, I haven't read it. I just mm-hmm. saw your I'm name hoping. was in the front that page. That is fascinating. Isn't that weird? That is bizarre. Of all the people on earth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it's not at all surprising that I have left something around. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I, that's the... Oh, gosh. Here's something interesting happened totally aside. No yeah, meaning no, whatsoever. No, no, yeah. Got out a jacket yesterday. Because fall is here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely freaking gorgeous, Beautiful outside, gorgeous. Yeah. and it was chilly in the morning, so I got out my little light coat, and it felt heavy. And so what's in it? I reached $5, in. $5,000. It's amazing. Hey, my $180 headphone earbuds silencing <laughs> things that I thought I lost on an airplane, and da-da, so it really was like reaching in and picking wow, out 180 yeah. bucks out of your uh, cool pocket. It was very, very cool. So, um, can, uh, is she looking anywhere else close? She's got Georgia. Yes, yes, South she Carolina's is. not too far, was yeah, it? Yeah, four not hours. That's, yeah, three, three and a half, four hours, which is nice. Now, that was the thing about Pepperdine is, you know, Pepperdine, Pepperdine is, it's not the typical campus that you would think of when you close your eyes. No, it's, it is uh, amazingly beautiful, coastal, right, uh, like it is on, literally on a cliff Malibu, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. In Malibu, California. Yes. And it's unbelievable. I will say this, the views... From that campus are the best of any and, campus and, in the and world. I'll tell, honestly, you, as a student, I never got tired of them. Really, like, you, you would yeah. think that after a while you would just go, "Oh yeah, I yeah. see it all the time." But every so often, there would be a sunset they that was so magnificent it would stop you. you in your tracks yeah. on your way to class. You would just go, "Wow, look and at that!" We did that. We sat on the beach and watched the sunset. Uh, yeah, right, uh, right after we ate at that sushi place that you love. Oh, Zuma Sushi. Oh my gosh, that's my yeah, that's fantastic. It looks good. Yeah. But I will say the campus itself, the buildings and architecture are not that no. pretty. No, because they're all relatively new. Pepperdine's yes. campus is not that old. Thirty year, forty. Yeah, years. and they've done a, a ton of expansion lately. Trust me, I still get all the solicitations. I'm for sure money. you do. Yeah. But um, uh, so they've done a lot of expansions. So it's a lot of new buildings. And because of California architecture and where they're located, they can't build them out of bricks because the, yes. the, the earthquakes will crack them. So and they, they can't build them. They, they got to be a certain height because they got to blend in with the, the cliffs. landscape. The and view the, yeah, exactly. from the ocean has to match what it looked like or as cl- mm-hmm. whatever. As close to whatever. Yes. Yeah, so there are some things that she really, really likes about it and, and, and some things that I like about it. A lot, and even though it is ridiculously expensive, it is. There are some scholarship stuff that she would qualify yeah. for uh, that uh, would make it actually uh, could make it quite affordable. We'll see. Um, and private schools do tend to offer a lot more financial assistance. I'm learning than all this. State universities. Yeah. Oh, do. I'm learning all this because state universities can't just 
give right. you a 50% discount on tuition. But private schools can. And that's why if she wants to go to South Carolina, for instance, she's going to have to get in the honors program because then if they do that, mm-hmm. then they give you in-state, blah, blah, blah. So it, I'm learning so, so much. And by the way, for anybody out there who is on this journey of uh, taking their kids to college Has there in the been next a few helpful years, resource that yes. you found? I may have mentioned it in a previous podcast. Uh, I don't know. Matter. But it, it's called Crazy You. And the U is written like the university oh, okay. U, yeah. right, yeah. on the book. Crazy U. It's by a writer who writes for a number of publications. He's a very, very gifted writer, humorist. One of the funniest books I've ever read, but it's about his personal journey of helping his, his son yeah. get into a what's called a select school, a selective school. A selective school would be one of those top-tier Yeah, that, that turns away not... far more than yes. they accept, yes. and But he has a whole chapter on the history of the SAT and how that's become so politicized and the history of this and that, and it's so... And financial aid, which, again, you learn so much, because it's a totally different world, even than... Than when we were going to... When we were applying for schools 20 years ago. When, my, when Jenny and I got... five, ma- We got married after our junior year in college. Okay. Okay, at the University of Texas. And we were in Austin, living in Austin in an apartment, and her parents at that point just said, okay, you guys are married, we're not paying yeah, for school anymore. There you go. Which I totally respected, right? I did not resent that in any way. And the thing is, I was already paying for my school, because I had to pay for all my school. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, this, you know, and she was going to a public school at the... In the state that we lived yeah, state in, university. state we were you had from, residency. and her tuition for the first semester after we got married was $1,000. And now that would buy a textbook yes. in one of her cl- classes. That may be... <laughs> <laughs> that's one credit hour, I think. Yeah, probably. It was like a thousand No, bucks. I think... I, honestly, I think uh, it's like it's close to $300 a credit hour. Well, at a state school. At a state school. Yeah. Right. At a private school, it can be 3000 Yeah, it, yeah. It's yeah. just insane. It, it, absolutely. So... I'm learning so much about this, and so it's interesting, because she had seen the campus before, because one time I brought him with me when um, I was speaking several years ago, but it's different now that you're actually... Yeah, when you're actually considering, I might live I here. live here could I in live a year on this and campus? a half, and, yeah. so on, and that's what I'm thinking, is could I, would I want her to live here? Now, one thing about Pepperdine is it is a religious university. Mm-hmm. So right? there's a, a, a chaplain and a campus ministry program that yes. is very, very active. There is uh, required, or at least there used to be, required chapel yes. attendance. It's, been, uh, it's changed and, a little bit, but yes. And you, uh, you are required to take a certain number of hours yes. of Bible courses. Or religious courses. Now, my kids go to a Christian private high school. Right, where they also have required chapel attendance and Bible courses. And that is a reflection of our faith journey. It's also a reflection of our choice, because it also happens to be a fine academic environment as well, and we like both. Now, what my wife and I have always said is, because we're giving them that environment in... High school, yeah, uh, you know, elementary through high school. We would like them to go to a broader environment, secular mm-hmm. environment, for college, to broaden their horizons, expose them to more. We think they're prepared enough. No, I do know. think that Pepperdine, if I can just put on my recruiter's hat for dun, dun, a moment, dun, dun. Yes. Uh, Pepperdine is a minority majority campus at yes. this point, where yes. there are more students who come without a religious affiliation. Than there are students who come with a or with a non-Christian religious yes. affiliation. Yeah. In fact, during the tour, we had some folks, some Muslim students, uh, uh, with us, and we had um, some Buddhist students mm-hmm. with us, and they were asking, but but they already knew that reputation. Right now, when I went to school there again, um, 
This uh, is what, 50 years ago? Yes. 60? When I was in college. Yes. Um, there was still required chapel attendance and mm-hmm. uh, and Bible and all that kind of stuff, but there wasn't required church attendance. I know a lot of Christian schools do, do that. That, right. and that that wasn't there. It was a dry campus. Um, it still is that, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, you know, as dry as your ability to enforce of that. People, of course. So, uh, so it didn't feel oppressive right. like some Christian schools that you and I know. Like, sure. I mean, you you attended. A Christian, you for graduate school, Christian school in for graduate, graduate school. school, and that had a reputation of being a little bit more. Oh, it is. There's a cur- there's a curfew at that yeah. school, mandatory chapel attendance at that school for undergrads. Right, totally different for graduate students. But yes, we did not have a curfew. Interesting. The uh, dorms were locked at a certain point in time, but we all had keys right. to the dorms. So uh, yeah. again, it's a it's a for a Christian university, it is. Uh, a more, little more yeah, relaxed. Exactly. Now, that is very different, though, from um, yeah. state school environment. Yeah. To which, again, we have thought about, we and our University daughter, of Georgia, University of South Carolina, yes, those are going to be way different. State schools, yeah. like, like we went to University of Texas, right? Which is the biggest. I mean, it's a city. It's 55,000 students. We're but, used to that environment. So Pepperdine has uh, clubs. Yes. But they do not have... Actually, they do have fraternities. But they're not but they're part of the international Greek system. Greek system. So they do have fraternities, but it's it's different. And a fraternity party at Pepperdine is going to be different than a fraternity party at University of Texas. And here's why we bring this up. Yes. Because uh, this past week... <laughs> In our fair city of Atlanta. of Atlanta, Georgia, our home, proud home, and our our shining star of a school here in Atlanta, yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech, the third rated engineering school in the world, Rambling Wreck from Georgia Tech, and a heck of a, an engineer, a, a, exactly part of their fight song, which yeah. is fantastic. I uh, and my daughter has shown an interest in, in attending attending Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech which Must would be, be a yellow jacket. Well, the uh, one thing that appeals to her is, uh, you know, Pepperdine is, I, I was shocked by this, 59% women, 41% men. Yeah, it is uh, what we consider a target-rich environment. For men. Yes. Georgia Tech's the exact opposite. 35% women, 65% men. Yeah. But the guys there the are guys who get into engineering school. So I don't know if they still consider that a target-rich environment they, for women. But but they, become our bo- <laughs> they become our bosses. <laughs> That's so, true. Uh, it's yes. Literally, it, across the hall yes. is a Georgia Tech guy, John Kaplan. Who's right? our boss. Yeah. So, and, and so I think about this, and, but it's, it's just different. You have these ideals, right? It's like everybody's a great parent until you have kids. Uh, well, everybody, you know, has these ideals about what you want for your kids in college environment until you actually are on a campus thinking about, okay, day-to-day life. Do I want my kid, do, who's not a kid anymore, I get that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But still, do I want my daughter, my son in this environment, you know, on a consistent without, 24-7? Without me there. Yeah. Uh, and so then this, something happens like this where... This leak of an email and from the fraternity, a, a fraternity yeah. leader to to uh, younger fraternity yeah, like members. He's, he's mentoring these uh, new newbies uh, to pledges and educating them on how to use alcohol in order to bed female students. And he actually says, "Now, don't rape them." <laughs> 
Oh he uses well, I'm that. glad yeah. he's got to do that instruction. Like, well, and, and again, oh gosh, I, and I know this is a very sensitive su- subject because uh, assaults on college campuses are are terrible. And it's, it's at traumatic. an all time high. It's one in four women can expect. But basically, he says sexual assault in some form. He, yeah, he he essentially says, Go, "Don't rape them, but walk right up to that line." Yes, and that, signs it something like "Yours in rape bait." Yeah. Comma. Don't rape them, but ply them with alcohol. Yeah. And then... Well, it says, if all else fails, ply them. But he's talking about how when you're dancing, you put your hands here and grope here, right? And so suddenly... Yeah. The idea of sending your daughter to Georgia Tech does not seem... That's not good recruitment material. No, Georgia Tech can't be happy about that. Now, the national fraternity has said, issued a statement saying this student has been suspended indefinitely, and the chapter of that fraternity has been suspended from our right. whatever. <clears throat> Georgia Tech has not issued a statement uh, that I have seen as of yet. I, I haven't heard. But the commentary is going back and forth all over the place. I've seen it on TV, I've seen it throughout articles, whatever. You know, And it ranges from, of course, outrage yes. to people saying, uh, why are we shocked? Because this has been going on for a very long time. Yes. You know, you hear these stories of the good old days of what college life was like, and many of them involve plying members of the opposite sex with copious amounts of alcohol and then having your way with them. Sure. And it's a, it's a, it it is at an all time high, but you know, maybe it's at an all time high of being reported. Reported, right. And yet this has been lurking beneath the surface for a very long time, but it highlights something that makes the launching process very difficult, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, you're you're Scary. closer to that, you know, push the button time than I am. Sure, but I, you know, I'm thinking I'm five years out. Yeah, you're two years out. Yeah, year and a half at this point. Oh gosh. Then all of a sudden, the idea of sending them to a dry campus that has a curfew is appealing, right? Even if it costs more. Yeah, I will fork over yes. ten thousand extra dollars. Give year. up a lot. Yeah, yeah, to to, to ensure the safety. Of my daughter, or at least increase the safety. Yeah, you know, decrease the chance of date rape. And it it just it's obviously you know what we preach at Scream Free is talking down our anxiety levels, right? Right, and this is what it's calling for. Now, but this doesn't mean be stupid. I've told you this before. I think one of my favorite phrases was given to me by a Muslim friend of mine. He said, "There is an old, there is an old Arab." Arab expression, my friend. You know, you don't have to do the accent. I, I can't even you do it. I'm, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm a, the worst, it's a little bit insulting. I'm the have... worst accent guy ever. If I could do the accent well, then I think it would pull off. But my family will tell you, You're the worst accent guy ever. Gifted at many things. Ever, this but is not one not of them. my gift. And he says, uh, trust Allah with everything, but tie up your camel. Trust Allah with everything and tie up your camel. Which I In love. In God we trust and lock your front door. Yeah. Trust, but verify. And, yeah. And so just, uh, you know, trusting... Because, you know, I think one of the commands, whatever religious text you happen to be reading, I think the Judeo-Christian Bible in particular, one of the commands that is implicit mm. is thou shalt not be stupid. stupid. Right. You know, and that's one we take for granted. And yeah. we're always surprised. 
well, I prayed to God. Why didn't he mm-hmm. do such and such? Well, did you lock the front door? Right. Did you check your surroundings? Right. Did you turn your headlights on? Did you ask did someone you... if this would be a good investment? Seriously. Yeah, did you consult a financial expert? Well, I right. prayed. Well, what did God say? Yeah. Well, I don't, you know... It, 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 don't be. Then what are you asking me for? Not be stupid. Yeah, and what are you asking yeah, me for? God Go said, talk. Why are you asking me? Talk to your financial advisor. Exactly. That's why you're paying him. It's funny. Oh. So there's this. I've I've got to tuck down my anxiety, just because I send. She goes to South Carolina doesn't mean she's going to get date raped. Right. You know. It's true. It's absolutely true. And yet your anxiety. You know. Have it, I prepared her enough? Have I told her enough? Do I need to? Mm-hmm. But, but then we get into. Don't trust any boy ever. Yeah. Right? Isn't that like that's that's the real problem with some of these college campuses that we were talking about earlier, some of these sure. Christian college campuses especially, is now we're just gonna keep them separate all the time. Right, right. And because right. we're so afraid of what might happen, now you can't be out after ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. There will never be any alcohol anywhere on this campus. And if we find out that you go somewhere where there is alcohol, we'll kick you right out of school. If there's ever any, any inappropriate contact between you and a boy that you're not mm-hmm. married to, we're going to throw you out, too. Sure. Uh, it, this th- is so, all anxiety-led exactly. decision-making. Which many times leads to the very thing that we're afraid of. We're afraid of them ha- mishandling alcohol, hand- handling it inappropriately. Yes. And so we tell them, never touch alcohol. Well, so then the first time they touch alcohol, guess what they do? Mm-hmm. They handle it inappropriately, irresponsibly, because they haven't been taught it, you know, that this is not a terrible thing in moderation. Right. When you make wise, mature choices, you can enjoy this. And we do the same. And I think that's what pushes a lot of the agendas on these campuses. And it, but it goes, extends even further back. And it's easier to extend that type of anxiety the younger and younger our children are because we think, well, they're certainly not capable. Yeah. Right of handling uh, difficult decisions, so we just need to remove those decisions altogether. And what makes that difficult is it's true. It is. It's true. They're not capable when they're three, five, seven years old. They're not capable of handling those kinds of complex decisions. And yet, how are they ever going to get there? Yeah, this is a chapter I have not told you about this, but oh, this is good. a ch- new chapter. New chapter in the book. In the book, at least it's a title. Okay, <laughs> it's a title I'm, of a chapter. I'm in very the book. good at writing titles, man. <laughs> Titles, awesome. Uh, Making bad choices is better than making none at all. Mm. And this terrifies parents, because the worst thing is for them to make bad choices. Right. But how are they ever going to learn to get better at making choices? It's like, since I don't want my kid to strike out, I'm not ever going to let him get up to bat. See? Hey, then he avoids the horror of striking out. Right. And, you know, playing baseball Mm -hmm. is an optional life activity. Yes. And so you can do that. Right. You, you can choose not to not let your to... kid... But at some point in time, your kid has to live. Right. Your kid has to eat. And at some point in time, your kid is going to make choices about what, what he or she eats without you being there. And how they do their money. How do they yeah. handle money? How, how they do they handle their time? All of what that stuff wear. is non-optional. Yeah. Right? So, so how do I... Help my kids understand what good boundaries look like for themselves without freaking out. You know, how do I help instill in them a sense of self-awareness right. and awareness of their situations? And how do I keep my daughters from getting into a frat party 
and having something terrible happen. And how do I do that without telling them just stay away from all boys? Yeah, because boys at all are icky. Times. This is what boys all think or all it, the time. Yes, the, or, they, they never have pure thoughts about yep. dating nope. ever. Right? They are constantly completely led by sex and nothing else. Right. So that they'll violate all principles they have if you give them the open window in any way. So on one hand, now for me personally, mm-hmm. th- I mean, this is obviously very personal because I have three daughters. you got three of them, But yeah. there are people out there who are listening who are also thinking, how do I keep my son from turning into that monster right. who reads that email and says, oh, okay, so this is how you get laid in college. Mm-hmm. That's... You're not, nobody likes the answer to that. Because <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. Is the answer the same as how I get my kids to watch less television? Yes, which was proven recently by a study. Uh, that you get I... your kids to watch less television by watching less, less... television yourself. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I teach my son how to integrate his growing, burgeoning sexuality mm-hmm. into an overall life plan. By doing it yourself. Yeah. And you teach your kids how to have friends with the opposite sex mm-hmm. by having friends of the opposite sex. And showing them absolute respect. Yeah. But it, it, be, it begins, though, that I have, to sh- I have to demonstrate respect for my own sexuality, that it is a force Within me. And, and the way I have chosen to talk to my children about sex is that it is literally playing with fire. That uh, and, and fire... Figuratively, it, sorry, I didn't mean yeah, literally. Yeah, not literally, but, <laughs> but fire is, uh, is good. It's right? necessary. But you were just in California, and, mm-hmm. and this time of year out in California is uh, Santa Ana winds. Yes, which came season. up while we so, were there. So basically, here's what happens. In California, the wind normally blows off the ocean, and it picks up all that cool yes. air, and it, it blows inland. And so uh, when the sun goes down in California, the temperature drops yes. because you've got this nice, cool sea breeze blowing over you. In a certain season this time of year... The wind reverses, and it blows off the desert, and it picks up all that hot, dry air, and then it it blows out towards the ocean. Yes. And so the temperature rises dramatically during the Santa Ana winds season, and this is also the season when a ton of wildfires And that's exactly what was happening, is that it was 90 degrees, which doesn't uh, hardly ever happen in Malibu, California. And dry, dry, dry. Very dry, and and 40-mile-an-hour winds, and they... All the newscasts all day were about all the wildfires that were erupting. And they're terrified that these will get out of control. And so they work very hard and they tell people, you know, you got to be very, very careful during this time of year because if a fire breaks out, as dry as everything is and as windy as it is out there, it could easily... Well, it will shock you with its uh, speed at which it will will destroy. And so this is the, the tension we live in with fire. Yes. That we recognize fire is good and necessary. It heats our homes, it cooks our food, it powers our engines. It is also dangerous and potentially destructive. Among the most destructive forces on Earth. So... Well, it it is. You keep fire in the fire pit. Yeah. You keep it in the context. You learn to manage it in certain contexts, 
right. and you recognize certain situations where it, where it could be very destructive and dangerous and could easily get out of your control. Sure, sure. And so that's why I like the metaphor, because that's sex. Sex is a power that literally creates life. It is necessary for the propagation of the species. Absolutely. And, and, and I would argue it's necessary for the consummation of the most important relationship on Earth, marriage. Yeah. It is so incredibly valuable, right, mm-hmm. in so many ways, and yet outside of the right contexts becomes one of the most destructive forces on Earth. Sure. Unchecked, unbridled, just, you know, rampant. And it, it is also, it, it has created a lot of you know, devastating consequences in oh, people. And I'm not talking about unwanted pregnancy and disease and stuff like that. I'm talking about people who've been traumatized well, through abuse, through abusive situations. Abuse oh, yeah. Unbelievable. It's disastrous. Right? Unbelievable. Because they've taken something that is good and necessary and they put it in the wrong context. Right. And so the temptation is to just, well, take it out completely. Right. So we're going to push back and we're going to say, okay, so it's dirty and evil and awful and horrible and you should never think about it. Right. And yet that ends up creating the very thing we're hoping to avoid because yeah. you can't not think about it. And that's something, you know, I'm, I have a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. Right? And we're starting to have more frequent and uh, frank conversations. And the, and the struggle is I'm doing, I'm doing this along with conversations with my wife and conversations with my own therapist, because it's inviting me to have more thorough conversations about my own sexuality and how I've dealt with temptation, how I've dealt with pornography, and then how it's ubiquitous and everywhere around. What do I do with uh, how do I represent myself sexually to my spouse, which is always a difficult conversation because that's also his mother, which yeah. is interesting. These are, these are difficult, difficult paths to negotiate. And there's a weird kind of a double message that culture is presenting about sex right now. Mm. And it's it's contradictory, yes. and yet it is everywhere. Yes. So the message, the double message uh, that you get from pop culture, from movies and television shows in particular, is this. Sex is really no big deal. Yeah. And sex is the most important thing in the world. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> like both messages. Weird, yeah, because you get both messages all the time. From the same TV shows. Interesting. Sex is no big deal. Sex is the most important thing in the world. It is worth pursuing. It is the thing worth pursuing. Yeah, right? it is how you know you're a man. Right. But it's no big deal. It's also how you become a woman in so many ways. Is now that I mean, it used to be how yes. you become a man, but now it's talked about how now this is I am you. a woman. Yeah, right. I mean, it really is. It's, been gun- it's no big deal. So right. just you know, go do a one night stand or whatever. But it's also the most important thing in the world. It's how you know you have a relationship with somebody. I get to have mm, sex with them. Yeah. Have you had sex with them yet? No. Well, then, pff, come on. What are you waiting on? It's no big deal. It's the most important thing in the world. It's the weirdest. That is interesting. Kind of a that's double a gr- message. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. And, and a terrifying way to think about it because it necessarily leaves you confused. Yes. What, which is it? It is no big deal. If you have sex, if you don't have sex, it's okay. It's your choice. But if you tell me I can't have sex, well, now that's a problem. Why, yeah. What are you saying? What do you mean I can't have sex? Right. And it's necessarily leaving us, well, certainly confused. It's, it's also leaving us kind of schizophrenic is we kind of go back that and forth. That message is yes. schizophrenic. Right. It is double-mindedness right. about sex. Right. And what, what it's called for is some sort of 
integrated truth. And uh, that's a big yes. word, right? We always talk about integrity, but we never talk about what's the adjective form of integrity. <laughs> and some people say integritus. That's not a word. That's not a word. No. Integ- Are you okay over there? My voice just completely... <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. Mid, mid is... word, my voice just went <laughs> gone. God said, stop talking. Yes, it was. <laughs> It's like my vocal cords just stopped. <laughs> integrated, integrated is the adjective is form. The word. Yeah, it's adjective form. And so, what does it mean? It means to take disparate parts of certain things and bring them together into a unified whole. So, how do we take these ideas that sex is not that big a deal? Mm-hmm. Sex is the most important thing in the world. And how do we bring those two seemingly polar opposite ideas and bring them together in a way that makes sense in an integrated way, as yes. opposed to the way? Pop culture seems to be presenting those truths as mutually exclusive and yet inevitably tied together. Right. And and one of the things is you chart a path through the middle that sex is un- incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to talk about it. It is incredibly valuable to us as a species and to each of us as individuals. It is, is incredibly valuable, and you need to treat it like you would treat anything of incredible value. Right, mm-hmm. and so you know you have you have a brick of gold. It's incredibly valuable. Yes, right, and powerful. And so you're going to treat it accordingly. Yes, right. You're not just going to leave it around everywhere. Right. You don't just leave it around. But then at the same time, neither do you. I mean, some people say, okay, it's something. You know, they've got this precious diamond or something like sure. that. We're going to lock it up in a safe where no one can ever look at it. Right. Right. You keep. <laughs> uh, this is going to seem. Uh, like a crass connection that mm. my subconscious mind just made. But you do uh, put the crown jewels on display. There you go. Right? Okay, so you literally, do. you have these crown jewels right. that are incredibly precious and valuable, yeah. and you don't lock them away where no one can see them. Because you're scared to death of its power. Right. Right. You put them out there on display. Sure. In context. Yeah, in the proper context, with good lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Or no lighting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Sure. Like there's uh, things that are, are valuable and precious to us uh, are meant to be used. Absolutely. And, and I think I think of sex that way and explored. Sexual meant. expression is not something to be tucked away and only brought out on special occasions. Right. Um, again, in the proper context. It's meant to be a useful means of self-expression. And the, I would say, the most, uh, I don't know what the word, adjective I'm looking for, valuable keeps coming to mind, but it is certainly it, it is certainly the most powerful form of connection between human beings. Mm-hmm. Because it nothing involves all of you more. Right. Than right. sex. Now we all have had, unfortunately, most adults had sex that did not involve all of us, and it loses its value. You yeah, know, I, I talk to couples all the time where, you know, they they have sex, but that doesn't mean they're actually connecting. They, you know, sometimes they have sex in order to avoid connecting. So yeah. they'll connect with their genitals to avoid each other with their eyes. And sometimes it really is just two bodies. Yes. You know, unfortunately, being in the same place, same time. But you have to actually work hard at denying yeah. the power, the invitation to really involve all of you. And that's why I want the way I describe or even define sex is it, it I love that it's the same word that we use to describe our gender because it is it is involving all of me mm. connecting with all of you. 
And so you think about it, it's this wonderful thing that describes what separates us, our sex, our gender is different, right? And yet it's the act that unites us at the same yeah. time. So, I, And I've talked to my kids about this. It is this amazing ability to in, in, integrate all of you and with another person, connect them with all of you. And so connecting with your sexuality is, in, in so many ways, the the truest act of integration, because it is such a powerful life force within you that is valuable for connecting, for creating, for expression. And it is not something to be terrified of, but it is absolutely something to respect. Okay, now, this is going to be take a very counterintuitive turn. All right. I'll but wait. this is important, I think. Okay. Um, and we will rely on your expertise as one who has helped married couples navigate their sexual expression. All right. Past. Right. We keep coming back at the Screen Free Institute to being this ability to focus on yourself. Yes. And yet many times we are taught that um, to be a good lover, a mm-hmm. good sex partner, mm-hmm. is to focus on the needs oh, absolutely. and desires of your partner. But I think there's something to this idea that Good sex begins with you owning your own sex. Yes. Well, this this is an interesting turn. I love this turn. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, no, because it is something uh, uh, that, that needs to be talked about. It's not talked about enough. Right. That focusing on just servicing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's how yeah. I say. Serving the needs of your spouse sexually, it, it's the same thing. It's like servicing Right. The needs of your yeah. spouse sexually, which... Which is demeaning. Ex- it's it's demeaning for both, actually. Yeah. Right? And it's denying the power. Now, this doesn't mean... That to, to be a, a, a selfish lover... No. That's not what I'm advocating. There should be no taking. There should be no taking. There I'm should be taking giving. from you. There should yeah. be giving, but that's not... Giving to the neglect of yourself. That's the thing. Is what, and I believe sexuality is a unique area in life where searching for your own pleasure with the other person is actually the best thing to actually increase that person's pleasure. Because what I want to know, and and this is getting uh, very personal, no, what I want to know is not that my wife is going to have sex with me. I want to know that she wants to. You see, that's a big thing. Cause it, um, I don't ju- you don't just want somebody to say, all right, let's get this over with. You don't want them to even fake it because they know you like it. I want yeah. them to enjoy it. I want them to say, right. I want to do this. And I actually take enjoyment in doing this. Yes, I find I've been looking joy. forward to this. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. I, I, you know, this is something that, yeah, that, that you you don't just want someone to have sex with you. You want them to want exactly. to have sex with you, and and enjoy the process of the giving and receiving. Yes, right of whatever that uh, looks like. And these are things, and I know people. This scares people to death. But these right. are conversations to have with your children as Oof, they get older, and it's tough. it's very it's very awkward, uncomfortable. And yeah, I mean, it's not as awkward as to talk about masturbation, but, but that's, that's an important conversation to have too. Oh my gosh, it just reminds me of one of my favorite Simpson scene of all time. Oh dear, <laughs> when Bart is talking to oh shoot, what uh, his friend. Millhouse. Millhouse. He's talking to Millhouse, and and Bart actually walked in on Homer and Marge. Oh. Right. 
And he's talking about Milhouse, and Milhouse says, Bart, walking in on um, on both your parents <laughs> is <laughs> never as bad as walking in on just one, one of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that scene. But yeah, these are uncomfortable conversations. And the, the reason why, and this is a bold statement, I know, but the reason why you have older frat daddies talking to the young frat kids about using alcohol to get some is because they've never had, I seriously doubt, an right. older person in their life to talk to them about the truth yeah. of all that sexuality is, all it can be. This I used to do this seminar called Talking to Your Kids About Sex Before Someone Else Does. And the whole premise Which I, I was... I love that title. That's thank great. you. The whole premise was... They're going to find out about it somehow, somewhere. It's going to be on the playground. It's going to be on the internet. It's going to be somewhere. And it's going to contain these double messages that we've just been talking about. Exactly. And it's going to be filled with bad information, with bad advice, with uh, things that don't reflect your core values. Right. So, how do your core values work work themselves out in your sexual expression? Figure out how to talk about that. And talk about it with your kids. Which means that I should be paying far more attention to how I'm conversing with my daughter about sex than I am about which college she's going to go to. Yes. How have you and your wife talked to your daughter and your son about relationships with members of the opposite sex and about owning their own sexuality, that is going to be far more important than what is the sexual climate of this school versus that school. Right. It's interesting because when we were uh, in California together this weekend, uh, somehow we got on the topic of one night stands. I think we were talking, it was a song on the radio and talking Mm -hmm. about that. And I was telling her how I just find them inexplicable. Like yeah. uh, that, the, it's it just seems to be horrifying. Like I, I was in this idea that, well, what if you know what you have this one night stand and you are just really not on your A game. <laughs> <laughs> now this person is walking around thinking yes, that's you. That's you. But you didn't even get into your greatest hits. I mean, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but again, that's half of that message. Is, well, no, th- this is both no of those deal. messages. At the same it's time. no big deal, but I have to go get laid tonight because it's the most important thing in the world. Yes, and it's no big deal that I had a one night stand, but the reason I had the one night stand is because sex is the most important thing in the world. You see, like this, that, that creates this weird schizophrenia, like it you said, does. that really does this double minded message that leaves people feeling less than. They feel like either I'm not doing it right, or I'm well, that there's a reason why the college cliche is the morning after taking the walk of, of shame. shame, right? Because very few young ladies walk across college campuses early Saturday morning wearing exactly what they went out in Friday night feeling elated and feeling really, really good about themselves and, and the I, choices they've made. And I would say the same thing about guys. They don't. They typically don't walk across the campus. Mm-hmm. They typically stay in their dorm room and feel depressed I, I, about it. They, but they can't they'll show it. They'll high-five their friends yeah, exactly. because sex is the most important thing in the world, and they'll feel empty at some level. Because sex is a big deal. Yeah, and they know it. They know it. They just don't want to show it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to, you know. And, and that's another thing I talk to my kids about is is pursuing the type of sexual relationship you crave the most and how, you know what, uh, saying yes to the crumbs 
that a one-night stand can offer is, is denying yourself the meal. Well, and it goes back to a principle that we use frequently in here for a lot of different areas of your life, but saying yes to what you want right now oftentimes mean you end up saying no to what you want most. Yeah. And what you want most is that healthy, vibrant, authentic self-representation of your sexual identity. Which means my kids have to pick up on that that is what I'm enjoying with my wife. That's what my wife is enjoying with me. They have to pick up on that as something worth pursuing. Mm. This is why, and this is a chapter in the book, is that unfortunately every parent is a sex ed teacher. Yeah. I am teaching them something. Whether I'm ever explicitly saying the word. I say this all the time. You're defining normal Normal. for your kids. That's great. So, yeah, well, it can be great. It can be, and and I pray that it is, but it means that I have to do even more work on myself as I'm launching her. And uh, and that and it may mean some awkward conversations, you know, for those who are a little bit further down the road, even than you are, where you come back and you say, you know what, I kind of screwed this up. Yeah, and I apologize for that. And you know, if I had to do over again, I would change Talk. some things differently. And I, I want to help you navigate this better. Yeah. And there's no more important leadership role on the planet than leading the next generation of human beings into adulthood. Mm. But it just means that we have to face the reality that uh, we can't lead them to a place that we have yet to go. That's true. Or a place that we visit every once in a while. A place we're unwilling to go. Yeah. And letting your own icky feelings about this get in the way of you doing the job of parenting is doing yourself and your kids and the next generation a tremendous disservice. Maybe it's just easier to send them to a school with a curfew. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. a curfew, a dry campus, somewhere where they'd lock... Or an all-girls school or something, there you, you know? Go. Maybe we could do that. Send them to a Catholic... I don't know. Yeah, I've because... Some Catholic girls. Yeah, yeah. Because they're so... <laughs> there's always an area. There's, no, there's always a place out there where it's everything's perfect and harmless. and Somewhere out there, exactly. Yeah, well, when you get there, let me know where that is. Hey, <laughs> while Hal serenades us... That song is now in my head. Thanks Thank for listening to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things scream-free. Two guys learning to calm down and grow up so we can get closer to people who matter. We'll listen to you. We'll talk to you more next week. You speak not good. <laughs>